Can we we start now? We're, we're starting. We're live. Hey, hey, hello! It's a gaming podcast with Jordan Haas. It's me. Welcome to my gaming podcast. It's me, leading game journalist Jordan Haas. How's it going in the world of gaming? How many more layoffs are going on in the exciting world of video games? You know, last year it was G Four and and it was Game Informer. And, and now GameSpot and Giant Bomb and all these places are just losing their jobs. And it's just pissing me off. Anyway, this is a podcast about games. That's it. That's the show. We're talking video games. Uh, but we're, I'm recording this on a Monday night instead of what would normally be like a better time. Uh, that's because I'm not reviewing games today. Well, I'm not really reviewing games today. Um <clears throat> This week has been an exciting world in the world of video games. Everyone's still talking Last of Us. Um, I I will say, hey, if you never played the games before, give the show a try. It might be fun. I think this is for the Chernobyl audience more than the gamer. And uh, a big pet peeve currently going on is the, well, The Last of Us shows us that video game adaptations can work. Fuckers, where, where the fuck were you for the Tomb Raider movies? Where were you for The Witcher on Netflix? Huh? Where was excited about The Witcher on Netflix? And now suddenly, like, we just have to forget about this, have selective memory? Hey, hey, uh, remember for, for a hot moment when everyone loved the Sonic the Hedgehog movie? The live-action Sonic the Hedgehog movie? There was a time when people liked the Sonic movie. I guess we should forget about that because The Last of Us, Right? Right, that's it. We're just going to forget Sonic the Hedgehog all of a sudden. We're just going to go... Okay. Hey, remember the Resident Evil franchise that had its own slay of movies? Silent Hill had its own slay of movies. Mortal Kombat had its own slay of movies. We don't want to talk about Assassin's Creed or Street Fighter Legend Chun-Li, Double Dragon. There's there's a few stinkers, admittedly. The Super Mario Brothers movie's coming out. Aren't we supposed to get excited about that? Mushroom Kingdom, Here We Come, and all that? No? It's just The Last of Us now. Did you know there is a Fallout TV show in the works? Did you know Halo is on CBS, a.k.a. Paramount Plus? Give it a try. Did you know they're making a One Piece live action on Netflix, and they actually showed the ship, and they have the cast and crew talking about the show already? But everyone is still up in arms of who the cast of the show is going to be or if they're going to have the ship and what it's going to look like, even though they're readily available on the Internet. And it's not going to be good because it's not like the anime, like every single adaptation. Anyway, uh, less of us is a fun show. The, the, the one t- this week really did break me uh, in terms of tears. Uh, Bill is uh played by nick offerman is one of the better roles frank is a great character the bill and frank episode i think that's gonna be it and that's an s-tier episode it's just gonna get worse by the way and i mean that in emotional sense not in quality um <clears throat> so besides the last of us dead space came out over the weekend i don't play survival horror games i i i, I first of all i get very jumpy I can't do jump scares. Two, I haven't been on my computer for practically 10 days at this point, except for maybe that rare hour where I can get my shit in for the YouTube. Um, but I've been watching on my phone downstairs 
and illegally at work, don't tell my employer, uh, that some Dead Space Twitter Switch streams and some uh, YouTube videos. And I got to tell you, this this new adaptation, I don't know if it's it's a it's not a reboot. What did John Carpenter say? It's a remaster. It's a refurbish. It's a refurbished Dead Space. Uh, it looks great. It is. I I don't I don't know the Dead Space fandom that well, but I think a lot of people when it comes to a survival horror in space, they they, they think of like aliens, colonial marines, right? Or they think of of some sort of like maybe run like hell in the PS2 era. Remember run like hell uh, or dino crisis. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the, no, the, um, it, 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 first of all, the, the lights, the flashlights, very spooky. The creatures, like when they pop out, I mean, I, I didn't get jump scared, thankfully, cause I'm watching someone else scream right before it happens. But it is, I would say, a beautiful scare. These are beautiful scares in a video game. In a way that I think for fans of survival horror, not necessarily like the Resident Evil crowd, but those that just want that, uh, that they were missing in, what was that game that came out last year? The the Protocol. The, the, the Quentin Tarantino Protocol. The... The Quantum of Solace Protocol, the that 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 game, and it was like this is like Dead Space. Well, here's Dead Space again, and between the two, I kind of I, I like this refurbished Dead Space, uh, just in terms of watching it and seeing others play it. To me, I I kind of I'm one of those people that when I see I, a lot of people watch YouTube videos because they want to see their content creators or whatever. I I'm I'm a voyeur. I hate to say that, it makes me sound creepy, but I'm a voyeur when it comes to these games. I want to see strangers play this game and see how they react. A lot of them say a lot of racial slurs, but the ones that don't uh, are really good, actually. Um, <clears throat> in a way that I, I think Dead Space is a really fun container. Also, uh, I would be playing Hi-Fi Rush right now, but I still don't have my Game Pass. I still don't have my Microsoft account they're working on it. Hopefully that'll be soon, but it is available on Steam for $30, and I should purchase that soon because everything I have seen about this game since it got announced at Xbox Direct Marketing Infomercial YouTube made it look like such a fantastic game. It is such a... I hate the term Jordan game because I, I think people like Fall Guys is a Jordan game. But this is a Jordan game. It's like a rhythm game. It's like a hacky slashy action RPG. There's like this cool anime style, but not necessarily like Persona, although there is a few kind of characters that look straight out of Persona. There is this wacky character that is totally like a nerdy kind of character that talks stupid, but in a way that I find very endearing and likable compared to Forsaken. Forsaken is gross in terms of its dialogue trees. This is a guy who knows he's a dork, but he's still going to commit to, I'm cool. And that's the kind of character you want to root for, you, because you are that person. I think that's the problem. The Forsaken 
it reads like the Velma show. It reads like the Velma HBO Max hate watch hour, the the Mindy Kaling mysteries, but hi-fi, it, it, it's sort of like what people's jokes about Devil May Cry were about Dante, but this is nothing like Dante. This is just like a guy who wants to be a rock star and he's taking on the government that put some experiments in him and the soundtrack is great. And these creatures are faint. The robots you're against are... It's a video game-ass video game robot fight. And I love it. Nothing about this screams, we have to have, like, ultra HD graphics, and we need to care about this intricate detail. Because they just made something that looks like a cross between an anime and, like... I, I, I mean, this is anime. It's a cartoon. It reminds me of a bit of um, League of Legends Arcane. With its creatures and character look in a way that I really like. Now, I haven't played the game. I don't know how the controls work. But if it's anything like what I've seen, what I've heard, and anything that I have read, and again, I want to see seen. Like, you can see the games now. You can see people enjoying this game. I will love this game. It might be in my top 10 this year. I just need to get my hands on it. So I either have to uh, wait and buy it on Steam or play it on Game Pass. Hopefully, uh, this Microsoft thing gets fixed before uh, it gets off Game Pass because I want to play this as soon as possible. This seems like the kind of game I would have played last weekend. I'll probably play it this weekend. Uh, so I'm making sure on my checklist to buy this game and play it. I don't know the gra I don't know how many how long actually let me take a pause real quick see how long the storage is on Steam. 20 gigs? 20 gigs. Holy shit, I'm that I'm that's a, now a must buy cuz I'm sick and tired of oh this game looks so great. Oh Call of Duty and then like oh it's like 200 gigs. So I just have to like get an external hard drive or something to try and play these. Come on. Come on. No, no, no. Um, but 20 gigs, perfect for me. I have that. I have the currency. I can download that. I'll get it. I will play it. And I'll enjoy it. Because that's the kind of thing I, I, I really want to play. But in the meantime, also in Game Pass is the is GoldenEye. GoldenEye is back, folks. And it's also on Nintendo Switch, which I gave a little bit of a play to. I didn't play it on Xbox, because obviously, but I did play it on on the Nintendo Switch, because if you have the Nintendo Switch Plus, it's right there, you enjoy it, it's fun. Gotta tell ya, gotta tell ya, GoldenEye, it did bring back memories. Uh, that was what kind of wanted me to spark this episode. GoldenEye 64 is still a very fun FPS game. I remember playing that on the Nintendo 64 and being wowed by it. I remember playing uh, Slaps in Rocket Mode uh, with friends. Um, I remember uh, a, a friend of my mom. Uh, I had to go over because they had to do some sort of party or something. I forget. And all the kids of all the parents were like right there. It's just like those posh kind of parties, I guess. And like everyone just played Goldeneye. It was really chill. 
And that's the kind of thing I remember about GoldenEye 64 was just sort of like, it's a game that brought a lot of people together and made Nintendo 64 like uh, a, a, a kind of a interesting console. Because when it comes to Nintendo 64, it's a very lackluster. I mean, there was StarCraft, there was Quake, there's Doom 64, uh, and then there's GoldenEye. GoldenEye is like one of the better FPS games for consoles. It's no Halo. It's no Perfect Dark. I will say this. Perfect Dark, I think, is better than GoldenEye 64. But for a licensed game, and that's going to be the keyword here, a licensed First-person shooter game with the James Bond license, brilliant. The mission aspects in the single player are okay. They don't hold up quite as well as they did back then. However, the soundtrack's great. Level design's pretty cool. Pierce Broston's face, very polygonal. It brought me to the, the days of, like, the N64, uh, what was the No Mercy with the way the faces looked. And yes, there is a bit of nostalgia for that. And I'm not going to say, well, this game sucks, screw your childhood, screw your nostalgia. But it's just... To me, there's a lot more games out there now that are better. <laughs> there's really no need to go back to Goldeneye, but there is, for preservation purposes, for just the sake of playing one of the best IP-based N64 games? Absolutely. But the more I kept playing GoldenEye, the more I kept going back to the games of my childhood. And yes, GoldenEye is a definite game of my childhood. But I remember when Doom came out, and my mom was like, you can't play Doom. But I was able to play Quake. That was weird. And Quake Arena on Dreamcast. That was weird. Uh, and then, uh, Unreal Tournament showed up, and that was one of the first, like, online games I was able to play on my Windows XP, and that blew my mind as well, because, I mean, yes, I played Quake 3, um, but just something about just the way that, that game played wowed me, and then you played, like, Xbox Live Halo, it's just all these history of FPS games led me to go with, well, there's so many better first-person shooter games out there. The only reason to play GoldenEye 64 nowadays is if you have friends over and they are well into you, the their millennial, late 20s, early 30s, maybe late 30s, and they want to have a little dose of the childhood that they had. I could see that. I could definitely see the need to play this game then. For me, though, this is Jordan... I'd rather play NBA Jam. I would rather play Midway Arcade Classics, if that's the case. Um, and I would rather be playing an indie title called Screen Cheat. Screen Cheat came about eight years ago. It's an online game. And the whole purpose is there's four players in each match. And each of you get a separate square. Now, everybody is invisible on the field. You have your guns to shoot. But the catch is, because you're invisible, the only way to detect where somebody is is by screen cheating, just like you used to do in GoldenEye. So you would see someone's corner, see where they are, try to play attention to detail in the map, and then fire. And that made for a much more brilliant kind of game 
in a way that I was like, oh, this is taking something we love from GoldenEye and elevating it into this very cheap indie title that I think is one of the most underrated indie classics out there and should have had a bigger audience. I don't know if the servers are still up anymore, but it brought me to remind me of screen sheet in so many ways. The main story modes, it's okay. I got to see a bungee jump. That was cool. Um, but other than that, it's just not enough for me to go back. I still think it's a great game. I still think it holds up. Uh, you can definitely make the case it's one of the best games out there. But when everything is on PC these days, you could be playing better Star Wars shooty games. You could be playing real you could be playing right now with less uh, less headache Counter-Strike. Go play Counter-Strike. There are other games out there for you to enjoy. And I'm glad there is nostalgia for Goldeneye. It's definitely warranted. But for me, I think the nostalgia train has left the, the station. And it's in favor of like late 2000s PC games these days. <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, give me Team Fortress 2. <laughs> um, so that's... That's just how I feel about the situation. Uh, finally, uh, I just want to say uh, the the recent news, I mean, besides the layoffs, because that's heartbreaking, is that Nintendo, Xbox, and Sony, as of the time of this recording, all say they are not going to attend E3, which does signal this is the end of E3 as we know it. And then you have everyone giving their thing. So what does this mean for E3? I just don't think there's a need for E3. I used to really be a case for E3. I love E3. That was the case for when you were seeing gaming magazines in the 90s and 2000s. And then when you were in the late 2000s to the streaming era of 2010s. And all the live streams of E3 and here's Nintendo and Xbox and all that. The problem is, with all of these game studios, is they want to control the narrative now. They want to control their branding, their opportunity, and there's no need for game journalism anymore. Game, I, I hate to say this. Game journalism is fucking dead. Partially because of you Gamergate assholes, partially because of just internet in general and the need for content creators. Nobody wants to go to GamePro or EGM and have a blank face who you don't know review a sports game or an RPG. So now people have cultivated their identities on the internet to be the faces of a certain genre, like horror games. Or uh, they play video games and they are really off the cuff, I like this or not. Problem is, now a lot of people are taking the bag's money from the game studios and publishers to say the games are good when they could very well be dog shit. <clears throat> so, we are now in a content creator atmosphere. The need for content creators is now to be the infomercial hosts for a lot of these games. So what a lot of Twitch streamers are is maybe they have cultivated their identity to be uh, an Assassin's Creed gamer, and they played Assassin's Creed or Far Cry, 
and so Ubisoft gives them a phone call and hey, would you be able to do a, a stream for the new Far Cry game or the new Assassin's Creed game for four hours uh, and just uh, sell people on this game? We'll give you an advanced copy. Just play up to level five or whatever. And they'll do it because they're going to get paid shitloads of money. And guess what? They're going to say nice things about the game. Oh, wow. So cool. Amazing. And eventually, maybe they'll say, eh, it was forgettable. But not right there. Because they want to have that pre-orders. It used to be, if you want to get the pre-orders for these games, you go to game magazines. You go to the internet. You go to these people who do previews and go, please hype up my game. Nowadays, you don't really need to do that. You can have your YouTube channel. You can get content creators. You can go to so many places and get that product placement right then in there. And now the big publishing studios and the big console markets of Xbox, Microsoft, Xbox, Microsoft, yes, Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo, uh, they can do their own little infomercials themselves. Nintendo Direct is famous for this. Oh, here's the new Assassin. Here's the new Animal Crossing pack, or here is the new Mario Kart tracks, or hey, we're bringing back uh, Mario Party, or we're bringing back Kirby, and, and people get excited because they love these little IPs and first-party titles. And sometimes, hey, we have some indie titles lined up, and here they are, or hey, here's some classic Nintendo games coming to our Nintendo Switch bonus, and it's like, oh boy, Mario Pacross. Great. Uh, so, so what we see is that a lot of people who maybe own a console now see the, the thing and they go, oh, maybe that's worth a purchase. There's no need for a console war. I, uh, console wars are gone. I, there's no need. You, if you have a PC, you can pretty much play almost every game except for Nintendo and some PlayStation titles. Sony... Their whole gearing is they're a media console. You're not there to just play video games. You have a 5.1 Dolby speaker. You have 4K TV. So we're going to offer you uh, these, these theatrical video games for you to play while you're probably most likely using this console to watch Netflix and Prime Video and movies that you maybe haven't seen before because that's what it's all about. It's just that the, 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 the Blu-ray player or Ultra Blu-ray or whatever is going to be the new like 8K disc. Uh, that is the purpose of PlayStation. They're a movie console and a music console and a TV show console. And you know what? It's the best damn media console out there. Xbox is the PC market. It's the PC Gamer Jr., we have the Halos, we have Forza, but if you want to play those, you can on the PC. PC Game Pass is available. Hey, we have all of these new IPs that we bought with its software, so Doom and Quake and Wolfenstein. You can play those, and Fallout, and all these titles from Bethesda. It's all there. And they, I hate to say they've monopolized gaming, but they have a shitload of good titles, and... If that deal holds up and they get Call of Duty, that will also help out. Although I firmly believe that much like what they're doing with Bethesda, all of those titles are going to be available for PlayStation and maybe Nintendo and definitely Steam and maybe Epic because they're going to make money off them. What is exciting about this is Nintendo is innovating. It's still trying to be the family console, but it's more like a Disney Plus now where it's 
Yes, this is cool. We like these little things, but we don't really care. But we really want your kid to enjoy this, and we want you to enjoy this. So we're going to try and get all sorts of these Disney family situations with Nintendo. And that's a brilliant move. That is such a brilliant move. For me, I always like seeing weird titles. For me, the thing, when I, because now I've gotten a little older here, I love the story of the indie studio. The, the, the guy who worked on the game for five, six years, it's their passion project. They grew up playing this one game and they just built their new take on the game. I love those stories. I love the stories of like, because everyone says that, that weird, like, I want games that are made cheaply, that look crappy, that has, that took like limited pay, like higher pay, crappier graphics and all that, 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 that line. That's most indie games, except for the pay. I think they still get paid really shitty because they're self-publishing sometimes. But uh, that kind of thing that you want, that's indies. And indie gaming has grown. And not just the asset-flipping titles and hentai survivors of the world. No, no, no. I mean, like, the arcade paradises of the world and vampire survivors. Like, those are great indie titles. Fuck, wasn't that the whole peel of Five Nights at Freddy's? Was it an indie title? Polybius. Now that's a fantastic game. Give it a try. Things like what Digital Eclipse is doing to existing IPs like Atari. Fantastic work. So these smaller studios are doing fantastic work in video games, and that's what makes this so exciting. The need to be like a five-second blip at E3? Fuck no. You can create your own time slot whenever you want. When you're ready, Hey, Friday at, at nine o'clock, we're going to put the trailer out for this new game and blitz it out on social media and people will watch if and get excited. And then it'll be on someone's uh, Twitter or Facebook or Tumblr or whatever, and it will get the traction, hopefully. And that's when you know there's no need for an E3. If, if, if Microsoft can create their own directs, and say, hey, we're going to release our new Xbox Series S slimmer, like an even slimmer S, they'll do it on their own terms. They can pick whatever day they want. Nintendo can do the same. I bet they have a lot of things to talk about because of the Mario movie and the Nintendo land that just opened. There's a lot of stories to go on with Nintendo. And I bet they're going to pick their right time to do their next Direct. Sony... With the success of The Last of Us they sh and Naughty Dog, they, they are on the track to go, well, hey, if you like The Last of Us, you'll like PlayStation because we have the best way to play The Last of Us. Also, God of War. Also, the, the, the Uncharted. Don't you kids love Tom Holland? Like that kind of thing. It makes me sad that this could be the end of E3. There are things like Summer Games Fest, but that's more of an indie showcase and DLC showcase than necessarily an E3 presentation. But there's really no need. The original idea for E3 was brick and mortar stores picking up orders. And this is like people at Sears and Best Buy and a mom and pop going, so tell me more about this Super Metroid and, and some guy at Nintendo having to sell it. Nowadays, it's all digital sales right now. The, the where's the brick and mortar game stores right now 
you have GameStop for now, but I'm going to think they're going to pivot to controllers, Razer keyboards, gaming chairs, headsets. And Best Buy is already switching to the protocol of, well, we can sell you controllers and consoles. We have a few games, but it's mostly going to be digital gift cards. Just like how they handled the music industry. They don't have that many albums left. There's not a lot of CDs you can buy at Best Buy anymore. So they're only going to have a limited shelf, but they're going to swamp it with like Funko Pops and plush toys. Um, toys R Us. It's gone now. But if you peek at the American Dream Mall Toys R Us, there's a few footage of the Toys R Us there. Their video game section is literally just like, here is a bit of Xbox, a bit of Sony, a bit of Nintendo Switch, and it's mostly the controllers and mostly the con and mostly the gift cards and a con and a console and nothing else. You can get a travel pack for your Nintendo Switch. Hey, you can get yourself uh, this charger for your Xbox, but that's it. A lot of these places aren't really buying physical discs anymore. And when you consider the fact that PlayStation sells the discless version of their console, Xbox with the Series S is discless, Switch also discless with the light there's a digital storefront and they don't have to make the sale to a brick and mortar because they can make all the profits up digitally which sucks when it comes to the time of like a physical copy because of preservation and all that stuff we, we've all been there but for a brick and mortar rest like a store all that would be left besides a GameStop, which are probably not going to make those many purchases anymore is going to be things like a mom-and-pop gaming store. And those are on the decline. Mom-and-pop gaming stores have kind of pushed into the collector market. They've become the collector stores, where because someone sold Nintendo, like a Sonic the Hedgehog Genesis copy for a thousand bucks, they can do the same too. And that's all it is. I mean, get the bag of money however you want, but... It's just, it, that's just how gaming is these days. And for E3, what's it going, what's it for? Who, who's the market? A person? Are you going to E3? Would you want to go to E3? Maybe. But why would you go to E3 when PAX exists? And PAX is the, the free roaming gamer expo. For E3 to thrive, it has to be more like PAX, and that means open to the public, which defeats the whole purpose of E3. And when they tried that like a decade ago with e for all it was seen as a somewhat embarrassment. Like, it didn't, I don't think that's success. But when it comes to video games, I think the people who need it the most are indies, and they need a place to showcase that. But currently, as it stands, things like Indiecade are the places where you'll see that. And it's not really E3. And a lot of these places like Sony and Microsoft and even Nintendo like to showcase on their storefront the indie titles sometimes. They want to promote the independent artists as well. I, 
I don't see the need for an E3 these days. It's 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 a sad thing because I think the genre of E3 is the end of brick and mortar game stores and the end of game journalism. But at the same time, we don't use those things anymore. You go to Steam, you download the game, you play it, you uninstall it, and that's it. You open up your Xbox, you open up Game Pass, you play the game, and that's it. There's no need for a journalist to tell you, hey, you should play Hi-Fi Rush, it's a great game, when you have a Game Pass subscription and an Xbox and you could play it right this very second and make up your own mind because it's right there. That is the new gaming market right now. And it amazes me that this is going by very fast. Now, the problem, there's a lot of problems with the gaming world. We don't have the time for this. Is that the future of gaming is still in the hands of greedy bastards who want to undercut the developers of these games, the artists of these games, people who look to unionize, to just keep their foot in the door. They're still scumbags at the top of these positions who have done a lot of abusive things to their co-workers. And to make matters worse, if we want to make matters worse, a lot of these games are still unpublished or, or they're broken and they expect you to have all these patches out and you're still going to play the game no matter what because they need to. And also, don't forget things like NFTs and the AI bullshit. Like, yuck. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is gaming has quickly, quickly evolved. We're in the Game Pass years. We are in the Steam years. We are in the Epic Game Store years. Live service games like Fortnite are still around. They're doing a Dragon Ball Fortnite expansion. What I want to know is where's the Trigun Stampede? Now, Trigun Stampede's a fantastic fucking anime. I want to play as Vash. Where's my Vash to Stampede? Fortnite. Anyway, um, that's all. That's all I wanted to say. Is It's a sad end of an era. But at the same time, we're in, we're, I hate to say blessed, <laughs> but it's because it's also cursed. We're blessed to be in a world where a lot of the games we can just play on Game Pass. And a lot of these games you can buy digitally. And if it's the case of Steam, and this is something I really did not know until like last year, you can buy a game. And if it's off the storefront, you could still install it. There's no, sorry, you can't install the game. So... There's a few games that have been off the store, like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Adaptations? And I could play them anytime I want. That is amazing to me. And it should be amazing to you, too, if you know where to go. Pirate websites. I mean, uh, archive.org. I mean, uh, what am I saying anymore? Point is, uh, shareware is existence, and you should play all the DOS games you can on the internet. Legally, um, also, preservation of games is very important, and I think that is a very important matter as well. For a modern game, there are passive players, there are active players. I just am glad we are getting rid of the fucking console war 
and the you're a hardcore gamer. No, no, no. It's all gone. Now it's all casual. Now it's all fun and games. And that's what this should all be about fun and games. So if you like GoldenEye 64, go for it. I mean, it's okay. It just it didn't wow me quite like it used to. And that sucks because I was really looking forward to this. Things like Dead Space. I don't like to horror, but it's a fantastic spooky game. And Hi-Fi Rush, I would love to play it on Game Pass, but if push comes to shove, 20 gigs and $30 on Steam, and it's in my space to come, in the event it falls off Game Pass, I still have it? Fuck yes. That sounds like a thumbs up to me. And I only knew it because I watched streamers play it. It's not because I saw Dan Electro on GamePro write in text, hella great. It's the bomb diggity. Fun factor five. No. And that's a good thing. So that, that, that is why I like video games so much. And there are lots of games out there to play. Lots of games to explore. I, I think this is still a great year. If it's sports titles, keep playing the sports titles. If it is Dead by Daylight, still play Dead by Daylight. We have a big ecosystem of games. All I ask is that you please stop saying racial slurs and being transphobic on the internet. Please, just learn some fucking empathy for once. And that's going to do it for this episode of everyone's favorite video game podcast, a podcast with Jordan Haas. I'll see you next time for another exciting episode. Till then, take care. Big smooch. Let's let's play the Golden Eye song again. <laughs>